again, again, we got guys' egos, I think, that uh, they want to show they can do other things as opposed to doing their job. And that's the problem that, that we're doing right now, guys not doing what they need to do to help us win. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, really, really cold in Tennessee time, cold basketball in Tennessee time, not the start to SEC play that Tennessee basketball wanted time, whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, Wes Rucker coming to you here from Fort Rucker Studio in frigid, frigid Knoxville, Tennessee. I know it's cold over pretty much half of the United States right now. Looks like the entire eastern portion of the United States is just frozen solid. So I know that I'm not the only one complaining about this. But I guess I'm going to be selfish about it. And I'm going to tell you that right now, this cold weather really, really bothering me. Makes me angry. I don't think I'm normally a very angry person. This weather sort of brings it out of me, I think. Just feel hateful spiteful probably because I left a dome light on in the car the other day and the car battery died let me tell you when it's about 13 degrees outside you regret when your car doesn't start you regret leaving that dome light on gross you know what else is pretty gross is the way Tennessee's been playing basketball for the past week or so the Vols who really we, we said so many good things about going into uh, the start of SEC play, we kept saying, you know, if this team could just get to, if this team could just get to about nine and two heading into conference play, we we thought that would be a really good look for this team, and that's what Tennessee did. It got to nine and two going into SEC play, and now is sitting there at nine and four overall, and zero and two in SEC play after a opening conference play with a tough loss at Arkansas. Uh, did not finish that game well. Lost a late lead. Uh, but Arkansas is going to do that to people at Bud Walton Arena. That's a tough place to go play. That team scores a lot of points for a reason, especially at home. Uh, and it's going to beat a lot of teams in that building this season. The problem for Tennessee was following that up with an inexplicable 94-84 to loss to Auburn on Tuesday night in Thompson Bowling Arena, a place that tends to be more of a fortress for Tennessee, but but not, not so much uh, in that game. Bruce Pearl came back to his old stomping grounds and, put a good little whooping on the Vols. Uh, That was not a good game. Tennessee got outworked pretty much in every hustle stat imaginable. Uh, Lost in in rebounds, steals, points in the paint, second chance points, fast break points. Uh, Just just not a good performance by Tennessee. Got outworked uh, and got out hustles on its own own turf, and that's not something you want to see. But all is not lost. Tennessee still has 16 SEC games to play. This is not college football. This is college basketball where one bad week can be just one bad week uh, if you leave it there. And Tennessee has a really good opportunity coming up Saturday night at home against the beloved uh, Southern Appalachia rival, the Kentucky Wildcats, 9 p.m., Thompson Bowling Arena. It's a huge game for Tennessee. It always is, but especially going to be a huge game for Tennessee uh, after Luke going 0-2 to start SEC play. Kentucky will be 2-0 and in SEC play after its uh, Wednesday night win at LSU, come from behind wind at LSU. So a couple of ranked teams. Tennessee's won the past two against Kentucky on its home floor, but this is going to be a tough game for Tennessee, the, the Tennessee team that has done so many good things throughout the season and is just just not done a lot of those things uh, really in the past week, but, but more specifically against Auburn. So 
Uh, enough of just hearing me talk. I did sit down just a second ago uh, with Grant Ramey, our basketball beat writer at Go Vols 24-7, does such a great job covering Tennessee hoops and football as well uh, for us. And he came to us from the uh, the Blunt County uh, Go Vols 24-7 satellite office up there in Maryville. So I guess I should say down there in Maryville, right? Yeah, down there in Maryville, down there in Blount County, the home of champions and Grant Ramey. Not just champions, but champions and Grant Ramey. So here is Grant Ramey and I talking a little Tennessee basketball for the next, oh, 40 minutes or so, and then we'll be back to wrap it up. Well, Grant, it's not been, uh, I think, what we would call the best week for Tennessee basketball. It, it was – uh, pretty good non-conference schedule, and, and we sat there and said, you know, if, if this team can get to 9-2, and two, if it can get to 9-2 and two going into conference play, that's going to look pretty nice. And, and then uh, it did that, and now Tennessee is 9-4 and four and 0-2 and in SEC play after a loss, overtime loss at Arkansas where the bottom kind of fell out there at the end of regulation and then in overtime. Uh, and then uh, just a borderline inexplicable 94-84 loss to a pretty decent Auburn team, but still uh, a loss I think we both agree Tennessee probably shouldn't have had. Uh, where are things now with this team? Obviously, we can look at the record and see that it's not the start uh, that Tennessee wanted in conference play, but but sort of how big of a surprise is this and, and, and how much of a problem is it? Uh, it's, a, it's a big surprise. I think uh, – what, what did you ask me last week? How to describe the week? I think I called it a mature week. Uh, well, this was an immature week. Uh, they, they looked the part for 35-ish minutes at Arkansas. Uh, looked like they were almost cruising uh, to a certain extent in a, in a building that uh, not a lot of people went in uh, and were holding Arkansas to uh, you know way under their season average, and they, they collapsed down the stretch a lot like they did against North Carolina at home. And, and then they uh, come out Tuesday night against Auburn, and uh, I, don't, I don't even know how to explain that performance. Just got outworked, out hustled, out motivated, out everything. I mean, from the coaching staff to the players to, you know, everybody in the gym. It was just a uh, a really bad look. I, I, you have to give them the benefit of the doubt to this point because they have been a lot more impressive in stretches than they've been disappointing. So you, you assume it's a blip until they take that assumption away from you if, if they play like this uh, multiple occasions. Uh, then you start to get alarmed. But, you know, as, as I wrote in the VIP mailbag this morning, when people ask, is it time to panic? No, it's not time to panic. It's one game. Uh, there's going to be ups and downs, the ebbs and flows of the college basketball season. It's it's more so uh, how do you respond from this, and, and can you find a way to, to play consistent basketball because they're not doing that right now. Yeah, I think the – I'm with you on the whole Arkansas thing because, you know, that team scores 95 points a game at home or whatever it is for a reason. Uh, that, that's a place I, I've covered some games there. I didn't go to that game. Uh, you did. Uh, but it, it just – that's a building where when Arkansas gets going, Arkansas is really dangerous there. Arkansas, we know how much better uh, under Mike Anderson that it's been at home versus away. And, you know, that one kind of got away from Tennessee, but Arkansas is going to do that to people in that building. I don't think that's the end of the world. But – the, the big concern for me, and, and I think maybe uh, panic is is a strong word, but I think it's uh, that certainly got the alarm bells ringing a little bit, that performance against Auburn, because on one hand, uh, you don't want to talk about any SEC game being a trap game, but you know, everyone knows that Kentucky comes to Thompson Bowling Arena on Saturday, and everyone knew that the opener at Arkansas was going to be a big game. And then kind of in between there, there was that Auburn team that, that had a good record, and everyone knows the coach and how good a coach he is, but hadn't really played a lot of people. It was hard to kind of figure out exactly what kind of team that was. 
uh, and Tennessee went out there and just completely got out outworked. And I, all these nice things that I've said about this team all year, and I think we all have, have sort of depended on this sort of understanding that the effort was going to be there because this team, when it works, it's really, really good. And by that, I mean when it's working hard, when it's being unselfish, when it's crashing the boards, uh, when it's getting after it on defense. But as soon as that that intensity level drops down just a little bit, this team starts to look mediocre again. And then you start to see, okay, there are no five-star talents on this team, and, and there are no you know definite NBA players on this team. And, and that stuff gets overshadowed when, when the fight is there. But against the Bruce Pearl team, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a team that's going to play fast, a team that's going to play hard, a team that's going to shoot a lot of three-pointers, so there's going to be a lot of long rebounds. You have to be aware. You have to have your antenna up. You have to play hard. And if you don't, they're going to out-physical you, outwork you. And Tennessee just got outworked. It's almost like they thought that game was a gimme. And that, to me, is the concerning thing. Yeah, and that's where you start wondering, uh, did they read into that 9-2 and start a little too much? Uh I don't think that's a concern with this coaching staff as as as, uh, as crazy as they are at times in terms of uh, ignoring the outside chatter. But when you have such a young basketball team, only one senior on this roster, a lot of the producers are, are underclassmen still. Uh, it's probably hard for them as much as they're on social media and doing everything to, to not kind of get caught up in the moment and realize that you know what they had done in the non-league schedule was uh, one of the bigger surprises in the SEC, maybe one of the bigger surprises in in college basketball, and yeah, you're right. They they showed up Tuesday night, and and by the way they played, I mean even when they're up 28-14, I know we we talked about this leaving the gym the other night. It looked like they weren't even playing that great of a game of basketball. I mean they weren't doing anything uh, really well. They weren't doing anything that wowed people. Uh, anything really that stood out. It was just kind of they were taking advantage of stuff that Auburn was giving them. Uh, when that went away, and when Auburn got some momentum, I mean Tennessee just kind of rolled over. Uh, they came back and. You know, led by five in the second half and stuff like that. But but when you're giving up offensive boards at the rate they did, they gave up 13 in the first half, nine in the second half. Uh, those are backbreakers. Those are those are momentum killers. Those are uh, huge sparks for the the team that's grabbing those offensive boards and and you know turning them into three pointers like they were uh, the other night. But th- this team is the definition. I know it's cliche of you can't show up and beat somebody. You this team can't show up and beat somebody. Uh, if they didn't show up, they could have lost to. Uh, you know, Mercers and Furmans, those kind of teams. You're not going to survive in the SEC if you show up like that. And, and going forward, they better turn this into a game that works for them. They better be humbled by this, uh, not only because they lost, but in the way they lost. They just got uh, beat. They just got beat up and down the floor. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that that is so – is so kind of surprising to me. There's a lot of things, you know, just being outworked and being out hustled. That that's something that's simple to say, and and I think it's a hundred percent true because very rarely is it so simple when you watch a game exactly what went wrong. And in that game, it was absolutely clear what went wrong, which was that Tennessee was getting outworked. But but specifically on the glass, and and here's what really surprises me about this team. And I asked Grant Williams about it a couple times after the game, and. He kind of shook his head and was like, you're not wrong. When I said, you look at this Tennessee team, and so many times this team's second-shot offense is so much better than its first-shot offense. This team can just kill people on the offensive glass sometimes. So that team should be able to understand better than the average team would understand just how much damage you can do to an opponent on the offensive glass. And there are no three-pointers in basketball that are more automatic than the offensive rebound, kick out, open three, 
it, I don't have a percentage on it, but my gosh, it seems like it almost always goes down. And last night, Auburn had had started really, really, really poorly from three-point range. It, it, I don't have the numbers right here in front of me, and I should. A better uh, podcast host and journalist probably would do that. But it seemed like Auburn was there around 20% or so, or 18% even, probably midway through that second half. It was not shooting the three ball very well at all. And then, boom, there was a, there was a stretch where you saw three or four of them go in a row, bam, 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 and two of them were directly off of offensive rebounds. And after that, that got Auburn confident, and then those three-pointers started to fall, and then Tennessee wasn't going to come back and win that basketball game. And it is a direct correlation between when this team gives up a ton of offensive rebounds like that, this team's going to lose. And what's baffling to me about that, Grant, is they should understand better than, than most teams how they can beat teams like that or how you can win and lose games like that. And to me, that's just the most baffling thing is that they just – there wasn't a sense of urgency on the defensive glass, and, and that was the entire game. And it gets back to what was the word that Rick used the most uh, the other night, immaturity. Uh, I mean, this team is young. Obviously, look at the roster, but they should be more mature at this point, uh, like you said, to know what, what gives them their best chance to win games, and that's going to be rebounding and they weren't the best defensive rebounding team in the SEC last year, far from it. I think they were more uh, middle of the road when it came to that stat. But given their their size and given their youth, they were better defensively on the boards than they should have been. And now it's like it's just non-existent this season. I don't know. Uh, somebody asked me if, if maybe it's a, because of the, uh, the switch in terms of uh, the, what they want to do defensively in terms of pressuring the ball for 94 feet, or maybe it's a, a difference of having Admiral out on the perimeter instead of, of down in the paint. Uh, I think it's just coming down to, to effort and focus, and it, there's not enough there on a consistent basis because this was no secret coming into the game how good Auburn was on the offensive glass and how bad Tennessee was on the defensive glass. This is obviously something you're going to circle and circle and circle again on the scouting report because that's, a, that's the way you lose this kind of basketball game, and that's exactly the way it played out. I think Grant Williams said uh, it, it wasn't that Rick Barnes was mad. It was that he was disappointed. Well, you could understand why, considering uh, probably how much focus went into that, how much talk went into how important the glass was, and they just got, like we've been saying, outworked, out-hustled, uh, kind of embarrassed in front of, in front of the home crowd. And I know that, again, maybe this seems just so much obvious or or so much more obvious to those of us who have covered a lot of Bruce Pearl basketball teams and have watched a lot of Bruce Pearl basketball teams. But to me, that Tennessee team last night acted like it had no idea what a Bruce Pearl basketball team was going to do. And what they do, they shoot so many three-pointers. And and Rick Barnes said it. He he said that if if their big guys want to get points, they're probably going to have to go get the rebound themselves and go put it in that way. And it looked to me like there were so many times where this team had no idea that a team that was going to shoot that many threes was going to have that many long offensive rebounds. And they were not in position, and they had no awareness. I mean, when you see a guy shooting a three ball from the corner and he misses that, where is it almost always going to go? It's going to carry him off, and it's going to go behind you. And they just had no concept that that was going to happen. And that's what was so baffling to me is that you had times where guys were even sort of in decent position uh, in terms of getting around their man, but they had no clue where the ball was going to go. And those are things that are troubling to me because if it's just just effort, 
that's bad enough, but but there was a lack of awareness sometimes that was just kind of crazy. And, and when they're if you're playing a zone, I understand that because it's hard to rebound out of a zone because you're you don't know who you're going to go block out and what your assignment is. And you're playing full court man to man, you know where your guy is, you know who you're supposed to keep off the glass. That should not happen. And the lack of awareness and the lack of hustle was just it, it was crazy because even late in the game, you thought okay, when Tennessee comes back and takes that lead by five points, okay, they've kind of – they woke up, the crowd got back behind them, they were they were in pretty good shape there, but then they reverted back to doing that same stuff. And even when it looked like Tennessee had to know that if it could not keep Auburn off the glass, it was going to lose that game. I mean, that's when you heard those just loud sighs and groans from the crowd was it just kind of kept happening – and it's it's like as Rick Barnes said, these guys just don't listen sometimes. I, I mean, it it was almost like they were they were not there mentally because it kept happening time and time and time again, and you could hear it clear as day inside the arena that people were just trying to say, guys, go everyone in the crowd saying, go rebound the ball. I don't even care who wins the game, and I'm sitting there going like, kind of rolling my eyes, like, my God, what are these guys doing? Because it, it, it just it was baffling, and I imagine when they watch the film of this game, boy, that's not going to be very fun. No, and, and Rick can call this team immature, and, and he can say there are egos involved where you know role players aren't, aren't doing the role they need them to do. They're trying to do something else, and, and they don't know how to play with a lead, and, and they don't listen to scouting reports and all this stuff. Uh, at some point, he's going to have to say, this is on me. I'm the head coach. Yes. Uh, it's my job to get them to understand. He, he, he could do a better job at, at stepping out in front. I know he's, he's really not hesitated the last couple seasons in saying that he has to do a better job, but it, it, it kind of came across last night. Like it was all getting pinned on the players and, and nobody else was at fault. This was a total program, uh, kind of loss where it's just a bad night at the office, uh, for everyone involved. And he's got to find a way to, uh, get in their heads and, and, and get them focused, get them on the right page, whatever, because you have Kentucky Saturday night. You have to go to Vanderbilt for a late game Tuesday night. Uh, you have a road trip to Missouri coming up. You've got Texas A&M at home. Uh, this, you knew when this SEC schedule come out, these first seven games were going to be really tough, yep. uh, and they're going to be really tough, and they've had a stretches where it looked like they should be 2-0 and uh, to start the schedule, and they're sitting here 0-2. So he's got to do a better job of, of figuring out how to get these guys' attention, uh, kind of wake them up and, and have them dialed in and ready to go because you can't let games like that keep happening where it just looks like you're completely, uh, I mean, off the off the whole reservation. Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny because Auburn and Tennessee are supposed to be two of the worst teams in the SEC, and I think we all know now that's probably not the case, but – uh, you know, it's easy to say that Tennessee's 0-2 right now. But, uh, you know, the, the thing that uh, – there are so many things about that game that were baffling to me. But you brought up a really good point there, and it's something I was going to mention, so I might as well do it now, it, is the reason that I asked Rick Barnes the question I asked him at the end of the press conference after that game was, at some point do you have to wonder about the way you're going at these guys and if it's working? And I, I guess what I mean by that is – you have to kind of mix up your message with kids these days. Or, or you know, the, they almost tune out things. They're in this this generation of, you know, cell phones and, you know, Twitter being 140 characters and Snapchats disappearing in 10 seconds and all these things that, that they have grown up with, basically. And the reason I was asking that was because I, I can't help but wonder 
that if if Rick kind of stays on these guys all the time, and I mean all the time, if eventually they don't start drowning that out a little bit and they don't know what's actually important and what actually isn't. Because if you get nothing but the same speed, no matter what's going on, eventually you're going to kind of start tuning it out. And and that's what I, that's why I wonder about the way that he comes at these guys. And we see it every day. I mean, that, that practice will stop every time someone makes a mistake. They'll go over it. Uh, there's different degrees of the anger and, and the tone in his voice. But uh, during practice, he's just generally not a very happy camper. And I like that approach in general. But I think you have to have a little bit of carrot with the stick. And, and I, I wonder if these guys, you know, it's like if he keeps harping about guys, this will decide this entire game, this thing right here. Well, if all you've done is fuss at them for a couple hours anyway, how do they know what they really need to be listening to? That That's my point. And that's, I don't know if there's a way to answer that, but it, it's just something that I think maybe needs to be brought up because put yourself in these guys' position. You know, ultimately it's their responsibility to go out there and, and play well and play hard. And I, I would blame them more than I would blame uh, the coaches for what happened in that game. But at some point, it kind of all sounds like the same thing, maybe. Yeah, and and the, it was interesting the way he answered you was basically doubling down and saying, if I don't stay on him, uh, that performance against Auburn is the team they would be uh, if he wasn't as crazy as he is in practice. And I mean, like we've talked about before on this podcast, you sit there and watch practice and you wonder why some of these guys come back the next day uh, to take more of, of what they're getting every day in practice. Uh, and, and let's not, let's not get caught, you know, sure. prisoner of the moment. Sure. It's not, it's not wedding or funeral. There's, there's some in between. I mean, two weeks ago, uh, there would be people in Tennessee's fan base saying Rick should be a, a coach of the year candidate because they were nine and two. And, get the and statue ready. Done. Yeah. They, I mean, they, it's proven that it, it can work. Uh, but it's also proven uh, like uh, Tuesday night, that there's going to be games where they fall flat on their face if, if they don't do something to uh, maybe mix things up. I mean, this is a 31-game regular season. Uh, you're playing 40 games if, if you're if you're you know absolutely reaching your uh, your ceiling as a basketball program, college basketball program. So you better figure out ways to mix it up so it doesn't get stale because you're you're 100 right. Attention spans have never been shorter, and uh, and Rick Barnes isn't exactly a guy that's you know, a young up and coming coach who's, who's, who's living in this, you know, who's, who's come of age and made his name in this, this generation, his, his, his wins have been, you know, over the last 20 years. So I'm, I'm sure he's, you know, I have, I've never won a college basketball game myself. He's obviously won 600. So he knows what he's doing, but yeah, you have to figure out a way when he's as rough as he is on these guys in practice uh, to, to mix it up and, and find a way to, to, to do the carrot and the stick to, to benefit both parties because you can't have nights like Tuesday night. Yeah, that's I, I want to be careful how I'm saying this because I don't I'm not this whole it's a wedding or a funeral guy. I, I, I think that people want this world to be a black and white world and virtually all of it's lived in a gray area. So, you know, that, that's my stance anyway. That, that's the way I feel about most things. But I guess my, my point here is that I, I don't I've wondered about this for a couple years now. I just wonder, to me, it's not a, is he too hard on them? Because, hey, you know, this is a this is an adult's world. This is a big boy world. Uh, there are consequences. You go out there and embarrass yourself, and there's millions of people watching it. And there's a lot, there's a lot on the line here. These guys are playing for their futures. These coaches are coaching for their jobs. This is important. And I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize it and say that nobody should care. I guess all I'm trying to say is I just wonder – if to me it just seems like it's not 
it's just a practical issue of how do you know how does how do you know when to pay attention and what the most important things are if you get the same kind of tone all the time that's and, and as, as soon as they stop playing ball Rick Barnes is like an uncle to all these guys there's no I'm not trying to say this is some sort of an abusive culture don't don't let's not take this out of context or go crazy I'm just saying from a practical standpoint I just wonder that, that that's my only point yeah, I mean, I've always wondered, uh, as, as hard as he is on these guys in practice, and you're right, as soon as practice is over, it's like a, a flip switches, and, and he goes back to the guy that's that's trying to pull pranks on people and, 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 you know, worried about, you know, the kind of young men that they're developing into and all that stuff. Uh, and, and even in practice, I don't think I've ever heard him say a curse word, despite the, you know, how he comes after players and, and challenges you sure. on the practice floor. But yeah, you gotta you gotta figure out a way to to mix it up and, and get the best of both worlds because it's it's going to be a long road over the next eight weeks. And uh, if SEC has shown the team anything, it's it's that you can't just show up and and expect because you did some stuff in the non-league and, and won some games and and were competitive against uh, had big leads against Villanova, had a nine-point lead against North Carolina that, that you've arrived or or you've done anything. He better find a way to get these guys' attention. Uh, night in and night out because it, it's going to get a lot harder before it gets any easier yeah and that's you know we're going to talk about the, the kentucky matchup before we get out of here but but that's the next thing i was going to mention grant it, it is you know basketball is a game of runs and and the way that tennessee plays you know trying to play 94 feet on defense trying to you know shoot in the first seven seconds of the shot clock if if a good shot is there there's all kinds of principles that Tennessee has that 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 lend themselves to to kind of a, a game of runs, and basketball is that way anyway. But the fact of the matter is, Tennessee has lost four games this year, and in all four of those games, Tennessee has led by at least nine points. Tennessee has led by double digits in three of those four losses, and it was about it was 14 points, I believe, in the first half against Auburn, just like it was 15 points against Villanova, and. If you're good enough to to go up by more than a dozen points on a team, you're good enough to beat that team. And why is it with this team? And I can't figure it out. That's why I'm 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 hoping that maybe we discuss this and have some sort of epiphany moment. But how does this team continue to lose games with double digit leads? It's just it, it's sort of baffling. I think they they play with a certain energy and motivation or whatever game plan, scouting for you name it to get that lead. And I think going back to the immaturity and stuff that they've, they've talked about over the last couple of days, I think it gets to the point where they think since they've built this lead, this lead is just going to continue and, and the game is going to keep going your way because you've built this lead and, and now you can step back and, and put it on cruise control a little bit or, or not play with the same energy, chip on shoulder, whatever it was to start the game to build that lead. I think Villanova maybe is a little bit of a different story because that's you know, an elite basketball team. Uh, the number one team in the country at the time, and, and they led by 15 in the first half, and you know Villanova kind of woke up in the second half. All these other games, though, uh, winnable games should have been uh, what you know should have been could have been losses. I think it's a factor of of them, you know, being immature and kind of stepping off the gas and, and thinking that it's just going to keep happening uh, because they were able to build that lead. Yeah, and you know, anyone who listened to Bruce Pearl's press conference last night after the game, or, or Tuesday night after the game, should should know that Bruce Pearl laid out pretty clearly in black and white exactly what could happen in that game. And, and, and what I mean by that is he told his team, just like other coaches have told their teams before, but Bruce Pearl came out and, and admitted it. He said, listen, 
This team is going to come out fast. It's going to come out furious. It's going to punch you in the mouth. It's going to come after you hard. This is a really good first-half team. And he said, guys, I just need you to hang around. Go in there. Don't get down by too much. Go in there. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Don't give up. And I'm telling you, we'll be right there at the end of the game. And that's exactly what happened because he watches film and he can he can see, just like everyone else can see, you're never out of a game against this team. It might come out there and look like, boy, you're just going to get crushed. You know, it looks like they go up by 15 and they're not even playing that well. So you go, man, they could win this game by 30-plus points. But you just know in the back of your mind, these guys don't put people away. They just kind of let up. And that's exactly what happened. Bruce Pearl called his shot right there. Babe Ruth, 27 World Series. He came out and said, listen, just hang in there, guys. Just hang in there, and you're going to be okay. And, and what I'm wondering now is, what's the potential solution to this? Because clearly the easy thing to say is, okay, go out there as a team and be tougher. Go out there and have a killer instinct. Go out there and act like a championship team. Go When, when, when you bloody someone's lip and you put them on the ground, don't let them up. Keep punching them until – you know, the fight is over. That's the easy thing to say. However, I wonder if there's something in terms of the pace of play that they're doing, or are they slowing games down too much when they get these leads, or, or what is there anything that the coaches can do or that the team can do kind of X's and O's wise, or is it just a matter of the guys need to play tougher? Uh, I, I would lean towards a matter of, of playing tougher and, and understanding score and situation and and you can slow it down a little bit at Arkansas when you're up nine with, you know, three thirty-five left, whatever it was. But you can't slow it down to the fact or to the point where uh, it's just completely stagnant and you're doing nothing on every possession and and waiting to the uh, to the shot clocks run out and getting a terrible mid-range shot and stuff like that. Uh, I think you could circle back to uh, the the recruiting efforts have been what they've been the last two years. They they've signed a lot of three-star talent. The two four-star guys they've signed are are not uh, factors in the rotation and Eve Pons and Jalen Johnson. And uh, maybe if you have a elite talent on this team, even if it's just one five-star kind of guy, maybe he can be somebody that helps you take over and, and kind of buoys you through uh, holding on to these kind of leads can kind of get you from, from a to B a little bit more. I don't, I don't know what it is. I mean, if, if you want to play better basketball, recruit better players uh, at this point in the season, obviously that's, that's not anything that's going to change before now and, and the end of the season, you got to uh, play like the scores <laughs> zero to zero. I mean, you got to they they have to understand they're not good enough to ever uh, expect a lead just to continue because they've got to the point where they're up 14, 15, 10, 9, whatever it is. Yeah, see, I have a hard time thinking that it's the just need a five star player thing because they didn't have those five star players when they built that huge lead. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know that it's that. I mean, I think that's a fair theory. I, I just I have a hard time understanding it because if you're good enough to get up by 14 points on somebody, you are good enough to win a game by 20-plus points. You are good enough to beat that team at least. And I, I don't know if it, they almost – you know, like one of those teams that just would play better if it didn't have a big lead – uh, sometimes teams do things that are just weird. Sometimes th- teams just have their own personality, and it's just kind of hard to figure out what it is. But it, it's something because they can they can play at their best. We've only seen their best in like five-minute snippets at different times during the year, I think. We've never seen even their best performances. We've not – and I think Rick Barnes is exactly right about this, and I think you and I both agree – and we talked about it a little bit earlier, none of us have seen this team play the way it can play 
for something close to a 40-minute game because that team would be really, really good. And, and, and what I'm wondering now is, and I promise we're going to get to, to Kentucky, but there's a there's a couple more things here we need to squeeze in. One are, or, or the, the first one is, how in the world is Jordan Bowden just always going to be this frustrating that he just will not be a guy who takes a lot of shots sometimes and he just drifts in and out of games and he just doesn't have that kind of alpha mentality? That's the first one. And the second one is, uh, as much as Tennessee needs John Fulkerson, does Tennessee need to maybe tweak the rotation until John Fulkerson becomes himself again? Because his plus-minus numbers are just really gross. And you watch the film and you watch games live and you just say, man, he just doesn't have that – he doesn't have that anticipation he had last season. He doesn't have that explosion that he had last season. And that's not necessarily his fault because he's he's had his one arm or the other in a sling for 10 of the past 13 months. So I'm not going to throw the kid under the bus. I think he's going to be a solid basketball player. But right now, do they need to either trim the rotation or play smaller or or what? Because I think those are two answers right now that – or two questions right now that, that this Tennessee team is going to have to answer. Yeah, and even Bowden Tuesday night when he wasn't – I mean, he obviously didn't. I don't know what he shot from the three-point line. Oh, for uh, it one. wasn't. Oh, for, for one. And even when he was driving to the lane, he was uh, looking awkward finishing, like he was rushing stuff, almost felt like he was uh, in his own head, like he knew he needed to, to carry his load offensively, uh, but it was just coming in a very uh, awkward way. I think one thing this team obviously needs to establish that it hasn't established at this point is who's that guy they're going to uh, when they need a bucket late in the game. You would think Grant Williams down low let him catch it low and, you know, let him start spinning and, and going to work and doing the stuff that he does down there. But there's been so much foul trouble uh, in big games when it's Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams. And, uh, I mean, who are you turning to for a bucket when, when Grant Williams is off the floor or when Admiral's off the floor? Who's going to take over? I think that that can kind of circle back to uh, giving up these big leads. I think one problem is, like you mentioned, basketball's a game of runs. Watch the NBA every night. Every team's making oh, yeah. their run at some point in the game. I think what this Tennessee team hasn't learned to do is punch back uh, when somebody makes a run against you. When you go up 10 and the other team goes on a 9-0 run, it's like they can't punch back. And, and, and I'm sure they know that they can make their own run, but it's just like they don't feel it. I mean, they don't have that guy that you're turning to for a bucket, uh, like a, maybe a Robert Hubs last year or Kevin Punter two years ago. And, and Bowden could be that guy if, if he looked for his shot a little bit more, but uh, I mean, he made five for five at Wake, and he's zero for one in two games since then. So he's clearly not going to be a guy that and turned down uh, two or three good looks. Yeah, he's clearly not going to be a guy that that values uh, trying to get off shots over the right shot or shot selection stuff like that. For John Fulkerson, uh, I don't know. It's pretty baffling. I, I expected there to be rust and it to take a while for him to kind of get back to to looking like the guy that he looks like at times last year. And, and I don't think he, I don't think anybody expected him to come out here and be an all SEC forward and do a lot of good stuff right away and, and be a guy that's, you know, in the starting lineup and, and carrying the load offensively and doing a lot of stuff defensively, but he's, he's better than, than what he's shown. Uh, it would be hard to be a lot worse than what he's shown. Uh, he, in flashes last year, he looked, uh, I mean, really, really, like a good basketball player. Go back to that Oregon game when he had 12, 10, and 5 or whatever in overtime in Maui and played like 34 minutes. Uh, just some version of that this season would do. But uh, 
he's better than what he's shown, uh, but I don't understand what's taken long, so long to get there other than uh, these injuries, mentally, physically, whatever, is going to take a lot longer than anyone expected to return from. Yeah, and Tennessee's got a decision to make there because to be – and I understand where Barnes and these guys are, are coming from with this because to be the kind of team they want to be at the end of the season – they're going to need Fulkerson because they're going to need that extra big body off the bench. But in the meantime, you see a lot of teams. I mean, Auburn didn't have a lot of big guys and you've, you've seen time and time again that you can get away with that. So maybe with all the guards on this roster, maybe that's something they need to look at. Maybe they need to look at more rotations where, you know, you got Schofield at the four and Williams at the five, or, you know, uh, don't have those times where you take Kyle Alexander out of a game when his plus minus is really, really good. And for whatever reason, you've just decided that he's not doing his job. Look at the numbers again. His plus minus numbers are usually pretty good. And I'm not someone who thinks that plus minus is the only stat that matters, but it is pretty important. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's pretty simple. What's the score for your team and the other team when you're on the floor? And for Fulkerson, in the first half against Auburn, it was a minus eight in two minutes. And that's just – that's rough. That, that's that's rough. And I don't know what they're going to do because at the end of games, you're right, if they – if Williams and Schofield keep getting – some stupid, stupid fouls when they don't need to. Uh, I agree that Williams gets the the rough end of the stick occasionally from officials, and we've talked about that before, but uh, there's no excuse for them consistently being in this much foul trouble because they have to – you look at at how poorly this team is at fouls per minutes and fouls per game, it's absurd. It's like you look at the worst team statistically in college basketball at fouling per minute, it's like a whole bunch of crap teams and then Tennessee. And Tennessee's not a crap team, but that's not a category you want to be near the worst of the country in. And if they don't know that that Williams and Schofield are going to be there at the end of games, then it turns into, okay, is Daniel hot that night or is Turner hot that night or is is Bone, who who I still have lots of questions about his late-game decision-making and the shot selection that he has. I just I know he's young, but I think he needs to improve a lot in that area. But or is Bowden going to be hot that game? Or or, or you know who's it going to be? Whereas we know that when Williams is on the floor late in games, he he's going to score. He's done that. Even in even in those close games they've lost, when they went to him for big buckets against kind of against Auburn and um, against Carolina, he, he got those buckets. So he can do that. Uh, we know he can do that, and he doesn't get faced in those situations. But you got to know who's going to. You got to. You got to know that he's going to be on the floor. You, 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 these guys have got to figure out if that means they don't play as many minutes in the first half. Grant, I don't know what it is, but they got to. They got to figure out something. Yeah, and, and and basically, I mean, what you're describing right there, from from guards to forwards across the board, is just inconsistency. Uh, it's it's good that they have scoring options. They have a lot of guys that can take shots and make shots and. And, and night in and night out, a, a different guy can kind of carry the load uh, every night. But they, they have to find that, that guy that's going to get them the bucket when Grant Williams is on the bench with four fouls and, and when Admiral Schofield's on the bench with four fouls. And uh, I'm, uh, I think there are a lot of people puzzled with why Kyle Alexander can't play more minutes given the production that he can give them. Uh, why does Fulkerson seem to get minutes over Kyle sometimes in the second half of games is, is puzzling why Derek Walker was – uh, basically an unstoppable force over the summer, <laughs> the way it was it was kind of hyped up by you know people inside the program, that coaching staff, and and now he can barely stay on the floor for you know six eight minutes a game. 
they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to find some of those depth options and guys that can give them minutes beyond uh, just trying to survive when somebody's in foul trouble. Because if they don't, uh, it's going to be a long, long SEC basketball season uh, because there's not a lot of separation. The SEC is really competitive, uh, as good as it's been in a long time. And it's, it's going to be just as competitive at the bottom of the standings and the middle of the standings as it is between the, the really good teams at the top of the standings. So if you don't find those guys to, to help you handle the last five minutes of a basketball game, uh, buckle up because it's, it's not going to be fun. And, and here's, here's what's, you know, for all the, the tough things that come with playing in a pretty good basketball league, uh, the fact that you got a tough game every night, the good part about that is you're always, you always have an opportunity to go out there and get the thing fixed. And, and that's the beauty of the SEC being good this season and having a good non-conference schedule is that the selection committee is probably going to be give you a little more leeway with your record in conference play because the, the league's done some good things there. Uh, and, and with that said, everyone knows what kind of opportunity Tennessee's going to have Saturday night in Thompson Bowling Arena. Big Blue will be in town, the Kentucky Wildcats, for a, a 9 p.m. Eastern. Thankfully, it's on a Saturday if it's that late. Tip off. And, and you know, th- this Kentucky team, it, it's pretty solid. It's ranked, what, about 17th nationally. Uh, beat LSU. Had to come from behind uh, to beat LSU on Wednesday night. Now 12-2 and overall, 2-0 and in the SEC. And uh, this is a Kentucky team that – it's got all the talent in the world. We know that. We know how how great those newcomers are that Cal brings in every year. But you know, Grant, this team is has not played a lot on the road. Uh, coming into tonight or into Wednesday night, uh, Kentucky was one and two on neutral sites and zero and zero in uh, in games played away from uh, on a true road. So so their game at LSU, which is not supposed to be a great team, was the first road game of the season, and that game was very nearly a loss so this is a good Kentucky team but I don't know that it's a great Kentucky team at least right now maybe it'll be there by tournament time but I mean this is another game for Tennessee that should be a winnable game yeah and and two years ago obviously Tennessee's won two straight uh, over Kentucky and Knoxville two years ago I believe Kentucky was 20th when they came to to Thompson Bowling Arena and they were number five last year if I'm not mistaken something like that a top five team uh, and Tennessee won both of those games, and, and there was 19,000 and change in the building. And, and for Saturday night, uh, it's a it's already a sellout. It was announced early in the week it was a sellout. Uh, so you're going to have 21,678, whatever the number is in the building. It's uh, you got to find a way to win that game. Uh, you, you you've found a uh, found a way to win those games and kind of have that magic the last two years. Now this Tennessee team is this current one is better than the last two teams, obviously. And this Kentucky team looks to be uh, definitely worse than last year's Kentucky team and, and maybe about the same as the one two years ago. But uh, given where you are, uh, 0-2 in the league with uh, a game you should have won, maybe two games you should have won, uh, got to go to Vanderbilt next week, got to host Texas A&M. I mean, if you think this Kentucky game's huge and Kentucky's ranked 17th, I mean, Texas A&M's been a top-10 team uh, for a lot, uh, a lot of the non-league schedule, even though they've, they've had a rough SEC start. Uh, they're they're going to be bigger games down the road too. So you need to find a way to whatever whatever you have to do, however you have to make it happen. Uh, channel whatever you did the last two years, the magic you had against Kentucky uh, when you obviously didn't have the the talent advantage uh, on your side to to find a way to win this game and and go to Vanderbilt Tuesday for a late game against a Vanderbilt team that's that's under 500, but you know beat the crap out of Alabama the other night. So it's hard to figure out the SEC and, and Tennessee needs to add to that. Uh, by winning some games it should yeah and and you know you you look at that Kentucky 
you know, you look at that Kentucky team, and, and right now, if I'm Kentucky, this is just not the time I want to be playing Tennessee. You're going to their building, sold out when when they're zero and two in the SEC, and and should be at least one and one, if not two and zero. Uh, it's kind of a the wounded animal ducked into the corner kind of thing right now. Uh, I, I don't, I think, I, I don't know exactly how that game is going to play out, but I know Tennessee is going to fight uh, because I, I just, I have a sense that the next couple days in practice, uh, they had the day off Wednesday, then they have practice Thursday and Friday to get ready for that game. I don't think Thursday is going to be a very fun day for them. I think they're going to watch a lot of film, and I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of frustrated people out there at Pratt Pavilion, and, and I think they're going to be going against each other uh, and they're going to be some pushing, some shoving. I think there's going to be some, some, uh, some heated words. And, and I think this will be kind of a show who you are kind of moment for them. And and I think they'll come out Saturday and and play pretty well. But uh, that's just an assumption. Uh, you know, I say I know that. I I have a pretty good feeling that they're going to go out there and play hard. But you know, uh, it, it's kind of like you said, Grant. I mean, I guess we'll end on this: is that, and I don't mean to. I'm not just talking about Tennessee fans here. I'm talking about fans in general. Uh, of programs where, you know, you like your basketball, you love your basketball, but you're known as more of a football school and there's a bigger fan base for football. Those kind of schools, I, I think their fans tend to look at things kind of like they, they look at college basketball the same as college football, where like is a couple a couple losses here or there are just going to be brutal to you. This is not football. That's not how this goes. Uh, you can have a couple of lulls, and most teams do have a couple of lulls during the season, uh, the problem is if that gets to like four or five games, that's when you start having a problem. But uh, this thing right now, I, I think we both agree. I'm not going to speak for you, but I, I think that we both probably imagine this is more alarming than it is a, a true concern or a true time to panic. Yeah, uh, don't panic. I mean, uh, if they if they do put four or five day games together like this where it's just absolute no-shows, then sound the alarms. Do whatever you have to do because – uh, it would be going from a NCAA tournament team to a uh, hoping and praying for the NIT team. But I, uh, I find that hard to believe uh, just based on uh, the way they've played the first couple months of the season. Uh, you, you would expect a lot more games like that than, than what you saw against Auburn Tuesday night. Uh, they'll, be, they'll be up and alive for Kentucky, obviously. Uh, you know, you've, you've mentioned on this podcast before, you can't let a bad loss beat you again later on in the schedule. Well, they need to make this Auburn – loss work for them later on the schedule because if you're not humbled by that game uh, if you're not hitting the reset button on anything that you thought you accomplished through 11 games 12 games before playing like that uh, I don't know what kind of game film you're watching or you know what what you thought happened on that floor because the way they lost that game it should be 100% you know humiliating uh, humbling uh, start over from from square one and start proving yourself again because uh, you're going to have a lot more doubters after that kind of game. Now you need to go out and, and show that, you know, against a team like Kentucky, Vanderbilt, at Missouri, Texas A&M, that uh, you're a lot better team than people thought you were and kind of not that, you know, oh, this team looks like the 13th best team in the SEC uh, right now. You know what, though, Grant? I think we can end on this thought. Uh, it, it is really cold, and it's going to be really cold again on Saturday. So if you're coming to the game, uh, bundle up, guys. I don't know if you need to wear this stupid uh, beanie that Calipari has put on for his post-game press conference uh, at LSU, but uh, <laughs> you know you'll you'll need to you'll need to be prepared. It is uh it is cold. I think the other night we were walking out to the car and thinking like it kind of hurts to breathe in this right now. It was uh it was curse words cold. That's for sure. It was it was for either sure. Either way, either way, Saturday night I'm looking forward to whatever Cal's going to preach about during post-game because win or lose he'll be on some kind of soapbox. 
Well, you know, we'll, we'll see what it is. It's always Cal. It's always something fun. So we'll see how it is, Grant. I guess maybe the next time we get together for this uh, podcast, we'll be talking about a team that's got some answers uh, instead of just questions. Or maybe we'll be hitting the panic button. Maybe we will be. And if we if we know what that is, we'll find out sometime in the next uh, week what that panic button's going to be. I don't have and the, the panic button on Wes's desk works. Yes, right? it does. Yes, it does. Okay. It's this big nuclear, this new big nuclear panic button, and it works. <laughs> See you, Grant. That was Grant Ramey and I talking a little Tennessee basketball. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I know that we'll have our, our regular football podcast coming to you on Friday morning. And then we'll be back next week with another Hoops podcast. So unless something crazy happens between, oh, I don't know, Thursday morning and Thursday evening, we will see you all Friday morning. And then we'll be back next week with some more hoops for you. Stay warm, guys. See you.